Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. And before we go to the word of the Lord today, I want you to understand very clearly that God is here. I don't know exactly everything that God wants to do. In fact, when you talk about specifics, there's very little that I know today about exactly what God has in mind regarding His plan for what happens in this service today. I know that it's good. I know that God never does anything to harm us or that would be detrimental for us in any way. I know that He never does anything for us negative, at least when the long-term consequences are considered. God always does all things for our good, His Word says. If you came to this service today needing something, you're in the right place. God is here, and He is the need meter. He knows every need. He knows how to take care of the problem, no matter how large or small it may be. And what's more than having the ability and whatever it takes to do what is necessary to meet the problem, he has the want to. God has the desire. There is no question in my mind ever about whether or not God wants to bless me. I never question God's desire or his motives towards me. And you should do the same. God wants what is only good for you, not good, but what is best for you. And he's here today to give you something good, real good. But like picking up the present, the gift from beneath the Christmas tree on Christmas morning, those gifts that have been given by God, do not park themselves in our life and go to work automatically. We have to want them. You have to want God to do something for you here today, really for him to do what he wants to do. You say, well, why is that, preacher? It's because God gave us a free will, a power of choice. He will never force himself on anyone. He is a total gentleman. He has so much for us, but we have to have the want to. That's what I'm going to preach about. If you will stand one more time, if you're physically able, your Bible or device, turn to Isaiah, the 55th chapter, where I'll be reading. Again, we're so grateful for everyone that's here today. I, I'm especially thankful for all of our guests. I love you, home folk. But let's give our guests a round of applause. Thank you for coming. And we ask for all of you to get around and greet our guest uh, this afternoon at the close of the service. Isaiah 55, be mindful of all of our events. I know that they are many, but uh, the Bible says that we need, and it is God's will for us to have fellowship one another. Uh, I know next Sunday is a holiday Sunday, but we would ask all of our home folk, if it's possible, would you stay long enough to come to church? And, and then if you can, have, have dinner with us uh, 
time of fellowship and invite folks to come next Sunday. Would you do that? Let's have a, a, a great deal of guests here. Isaiah 55 next Sunday. Verse 1, ho. You don't find many verses in the Bible that start with the word ho. Do you? What do you think that means? You think that, you think that means, uh, hey, something's going on here different. I better pay attention. I think so. Give me your ear. That's right, brother. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore, or why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, come unto me. Here and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Uh, I'm going to preach to you primarily this afternoon at least uh, a majority of, of what I have to say will be uh, in large part to the church, uh, but this is for anybody who needs something from God. I want to talk to you today from this thought. How thirsty are you? How thirsty are you? Now, right now, I am very thirsty. Uh, I've got water here, but as most of you uh, know from coming to this church week after week, I rarely drink from it. That's because I get my mind on what I'm saying. Or sometimes it's just because the person that gave it to me didn't take the top off. And I'm, that's all right. We'll make you wait while I take the top off. Is that all right? Where are you going, Brother Jeff? Brother Hicks is out today. He always takes the top off for me. Now, I'm going to have to do something for Brother Jeff because I embarrassed him. So something good will be coming your way. I don't need one. Uh, would you wait one more second while I take a drink? I don't know how thirsty you are naturally today. That tasted good, but you know what? In about five or ten minutes, I'm going to need another drink. I won't take one because I'll be preaching. But our bodies need water almost on a continuous basis. And without that God-given element of thirst, without that scratching that comes to your throat, sometimes that cough, wheezing, anything regarding your respiratory system that gets out of whack, without that that tingling that lets you know you're thirsty. You would never drink enough water. We need to thirst for the Lord today. The Lord will bless his word. You may be seated. And I'm asking God to do a great work here in this church this afternoon in speaking to his people. There is a law of God, and that law governs what we receive from God. In fact, I would venture to say anything that we would hope for, anything that we might long for or desire, pray for, and want God to give us 
must adhere to this law. And the law that I'm talking about is the law of desire. I want to make a statement today, and I want you to remember this statement. Remember it well, what I'm about to say. What we receive from God is directly proportional to our desire for God. I've got, it, I've got all afternoon. I'm not the kind of preacher that threatens and says, you know, like, like I just threatened you and say, I'm going to take as long as I need to preach for you to get with me. I, you know, if you don't amen me the rest of the afternoon, I'm not going to hold you any longer. But it sure would be nice if you agree with a preacher to let him know that. And that's not for me, you know. You think it is, but really it's for you. I'm going to say that again. And I don't want you to say amen unless you get it, unless you believe it. What we receive from God is directly proportional, is directly tied to our desire for God. What that means is the more that we desire of God, the more that we want for God to be active in our lives, the more that we want what God has for us, the more he is able to give to us. And that's true in every area of our lives. It's true when we first start out walking with God, in our salvation experience, at the very beginning of our walk with Him. It's true as we go through the process uh, over time of living our lives for and with the Lord. And it's true in the pouring out by God of certain things. I'm thinking of revival and salvation and, and, and the, the blessings and, and miracles of God upon a city or upon a church or upon a family or even an individual's life. God will not, God cannot, it is impossible for God to pour out his blessings upon someone who does not want it. Notice I said poor. Now, God will come into your life and give you a taste of himself. Uh, if you're a child of God, from time to time, depending on your relationship with him, there are times when God has done things for me that I really didn't ask for, didn't think about, maybe didn't want. He just does it out of the goodness of his heart and his love for his people. But by and large, when God gets to the place where he wants to pour out, when he wants the avalanche of the blessing to flow, when he wants an abundance of what he wants to do in your life or in your family or in a church, when, when, when he wants that to take place, he will not do it without your cooperation. He will not pour himself out on anyone, I believe, who does not not only ask for it, but, but who, who wants it and wants it desperately. Hallelujah. You have got to be thirsty for it to receive the great blessings of God. Jesus walked into his hometown one day, city of Nazareth, to people uh, who lived there, began to intermingle with them and and to interact with them, and he ended up having a discussion with them, and uh, I would imagine somewhere near the close of his stay in that town, he announced to all who would listen there, it was obviously a public meeting in a public place, he said to them in Luke 4 and 23, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself, 
whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. He said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country, but I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. Then he tells another truth from Israel's history. Many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed or healed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And these folks got mad at him. They got mad at Jesus. Why, you ask? Because they knew exactly what he was saying to them. He was saying to them, you don't want me bad enough. He mentioned the two references from the Old Testament. He said, in the land of Israel during the days of Elijah the prophet, because of the, back, the backslidden wicked king Ahab, God had sent a famine to the land at the prayer of the prophet, the man of God, Elijah. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. And during that time, Elijah was sent to one widow and only one widow. Why, why just one? Why did God not send Elijah going around from house to house and, and, and feed all the widows who were starving? Because they didn't want that bad enough. He said there were a lot of lepers in Israel who needed healing during the days of Elisha. But they didn't get healed. Only one person got healed. And he wasn't even a Jew. It was Naaman. And he got healed because he wanted it. Nobody else wanted it bad enough. For whatever you may be seeking God or needing from God, whether it's receiving the Holy Ghost for the very first time in your life or having revival in your life, in your home, in your family, or in your church, it's not coming until we want it bad enough, until our desire to have it matches God's desire to give it, and we're willing at that point to pay the price for it. How thirsty are you today for the things of God? How thirsty are you for your prayers to be answered? God knows. God knows how thirsty you are. He knows what your level of desire is for whatever it may be. I've had a conversation or two with the Lord from time to time. And uh, there are times when we just sit down and talk like father and son. Sometimes during those talks, he acts like my father used to when he would want to discipline me, and, and I usually needed it, and sometimes I need it now. Sometimes we sit down and we talk like best friends. Whatever the circumstance may be, I, I want to say to you today, if God were to sit me down this afternoon and, and, and say, son, you tell me, why do you think there is less conviction of my spirit in the church services that you're a part of and that the apostolic movement consists of in this country and around the world today? Why do you think that it's not like it used to be where sinners would come into the service and, and, and would literally flood the altars where people would even sometimes run to the altar, maybe even before the preacher 
was through preaching the message because conviction was so strong, crying out to God. Why don't you think with me right now? When was the last time we had somebody come through those doors or get up from a seat and come running to the altar visibly or, or audibly crying out to God? I am telling you today, God has not changed. We have. I want somebody to get this today. Maybe not everybody will, but I pray, God, that everyone can and will to realize and admit to yourself this fact of whether it's this church or whatever church you belong to today or even your own individual life. We're just not as thirsty for God as we used to be. How do you know that, preacher? Because God always comes and responds to thirst. He always responds to desire. And the greater the desire, the greater the response of God. There are reasons for it. I, I, I know that. The society that we live in shackles us. The materialistic uh, world that we are a part of has its hold on us. Oh, yes, it does. And, and the more we have, the less we sense our need for God. And that's true both in the church and outside of the church. But this afternoon, I, I want to recall for you a remembrance of a conversation I had with a friend, Brother Gary Keller, a preacher in the apostolic movement. Many years ago, uh, we in the, there was a delegation sent from or within the United Pentecostal Church, which is the denomination that this church organization, this church belongs to, uh, to the country of Ethiopia. And uh, year after year, for several years in a row, Brother Billy Cole, great preacher of the gospel, would lead a group of ministers to get on an airplane, 10, 12, 15, 20 uh, preachers, apostolic preachers, and they would fly to the nation of Ethiopia where they would hold a three-day revival. Brother Cole would be in charge, and he would preach, and he would designate. They would have services all day long and into the night, and he would designate who, uh, which of the ministers would preach each service. And Brother Keller told me about uh, Brother Teclamarian, the national leader there in Ethiopia, and how he would spend time during the service on the ground with his head in the floor in prayer. And, and, and he said that uh, Brother Cole would require, the, uh, or Brother Teclamarian as the leader of the preachers in that nation, in the apostolic movement, would require the, the ministers in that country. They would do a seven-day fast every month and a 30-day fast every year. That speaks to desire. That speaks to thirst. They did then and still do, to my knowledge, lack the material wealth that we have here in America. All they have is God. They don't have anything else. And because all they have is God, God is the center of their life. Brother Keller uh, told about riding in the bus over the dirt road uh, hundreds of miles back into the bush uh, away from the cities to where they were going to have this meeting every year. And the, and the year that he went, he said he was amazed at the thousands of people who were walking alongside the road, many who would walk hundreds of miles to get to that three-day revival meeting. But as you might suspect, when they reached that place, their thirst paid off 
because there were literally thousands of people who received the Holy Ghost every single year in that revival meeting in the nation of Ethiopia. Well, why don't you tell us that, Brother Edwards, because I want to say to you today, we here in America, we're just not thirsty enough. What's keeping back revival from this country? What's keeping back revival from this city? Through this church? I know this, it's not God. It's not God. His plan and his purpose for his church, for this church and every other apostolic church is revival. I am sold on that 100%. A great harvest of souls. That's what God wants to give us. It's not God's fault. God is waiting on us. Hallelujah. Well, what do we have to do, preacher, to have it? The great moves of God that I long for. A magnifying and an extending and a repeating of what happened in this church this past Wednesday night when I almost didn't get to go on with the service because God's presence came in so strong. We were almost brought to our knees by the Spirit and His presence here. If you've been in this church very long at all, if you've been in this church two or three years or more, then you know services you remember services that we have had where God moved in and the Holy Ghost took over. Are we thirsty for that to happen? Or are we satisfied to come here Sunday after Sunday and just do our little thing and, and appease our conscience because we went to church? What do we really come here for? I say to you today, you and me, every one of us, the desire level that we have for God, the thirst that we have for God shows in what we do and what we don't do in our lives. Isaiah says, everyone, ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth, put it up again, brother, verse 1, come to the waters. Waters, what's that mean? That's talking about the living water of the Holy Ghost, the prophetic Utterance from the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Hundreds of years before he would pour out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, where, whereby now every human being that wants to, that is thirsty enough, can drink from the well that shall never run dry. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. And folks, we need to get so excited, those of us that already have received it, so excited about having it, so thirsty for more of it, that everyone we know wants it. Hallelujah. Does your coworker or neighbor look at you and see something enough different about you that says, they've got something I want? How thirsty are you today? The first thing you must have in order to make the power of God yours is a thirst for it. You must literally crave the manifestation of the power of God in your life. Then you must come to the waters and buy. These waters, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, again comes because and only because you want it. You're thirsty for it. Jesus said, if any man thirst, 
out of his belly or innermost being shall flow these rivers of living water. And if anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and I'll fill him with it. Praise God. We need to be thirsty for God in our life so that we come to the waters and we buy. What do you mean buy? I thought the Holy Ghost is a gift. It is. But you have to receive it. You have to buy it. It's very significant here. Isaiah uses this word buy. It did not say, the Lord did not tell us, come to the waters and pick or choose. He said buy. There's a principle here we've got to understand. When you buy something, there is an exchange. You have to give up something in order to receive. You have to give it. You have to buy the power of God. No one can buy the anointing for you with money. You leave your checkbook at home when it comes to receiving the blessing of God when you ask him to fill you with his presence and with his spirit. But in order to quench the thirst of your soul that only God can quench with his living water, you must be willing to give up everything. Oh, church. Just like when you received the Holy Ghost the first time, you had to be willing. You had to say, God, whatever you want, I'll give it up. Whatever you want me to be, wherever you want me to go, I am yours. This isn't just a Christmas gift situation that I can take and then go put in a back room somewhere and not use. This is my eternal life when you're talking about receiving the Holy Ghost. It's still the same today, church. We've got to want God more than we've ever wanted him before. You ought to want God more. You ought to be thirstier for God today than you were the day you got the Holy Ghost. You ought to want more of God in your life flowing through you than you ever had before. We ought to desire this church to be the beacon of hope and salvation by God filling us and flowing through us more than we ever have before. we got to be like David who said, Oh, God, Psalm 63, you're my God. So early, I'm going to seek you. My soul is going to thirst for you. My flesh is going to long for you in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. He said, I'm going to be like a man in the desert, dying of thirst, crawling on the ground, looking for the precious drop of water to sustain my life. We need to be like that spiritually church. Oh, God, where is the flow? Where is the flow of your spirit, your living waters in us and through us? We need it. We've got to have it. We've got to crave it. We've got to desire it more than anything else. Some of you hadn't been to a prayer meeting in so long you forgot what it was like to come to something outside of a regular Sunday church service. Where is your thirst level today? If Sunday's the only time you make your way to what's going on at this church, if this is your church, where is your thirst level? How thirsty are you really? I didn't expect anybody to amen that, but God wants somebody to take inventory this afternoon and say, I need to be more thirsty than I am. Oh, God, help us. I, 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 don't, I don't know about the desire level in your heart today. I, I'm not sure 
where you are in, in your thirstiness for God, for you. As pastor, I, I pray much and think much and quite frankly, experience much angst about what God is able to do through this church that he so graciously allows me to pastor. And I want more than we've ever had before. I want to see more souls come to God than I've ever seen before. When we get thirsty enough, here's what I know. It will be evidenced. It will be visible. This church, I will know, and everybody will know, is thirsty like it ought to be thirsty for the flow of God's Spirit through it. When we manifest that thirst and that desire by going to God and crying out for it. God, give it to me. I want it. I want the Holy Ghost to overflow my life, my vessel, more than ever before. I want your spirit to fill my home and get a hold of every one of my family members like you never had before. I want your spirit to flow greater, stronger, with more signs and wonders and miracles and healings and, and people receiving you and your spirit being baptized in your name in this church more than ever before. When you start thinking like that, you'll know you're thirsty. I'll know you're thirsty. And what's most important, God will know that you're thirsty. Let's stand together. I've got more notes to preach, but the Lord wants me to stop right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I understand that there's nothing I can say or do to change a single person one bit. But I'm going to pray a dangerous prayer right now with God's permission. And that is, God, make us thirsty. Make us thirsty for you. Make us so thirsty, God, that we didn't even know we could be that thirsty for you. Make us want you so much that we had no clue that a, a human being could want you that much. That's how thirsty I'm asking you, God, to make me, to make the people of this church, to make the people of this city, those who don't know you, the people of Jefferson County and all over this region, God, of Southern Illinois. I, I don't want anybody else outside of those places I've just named to be lost, but God, you've put us here. This is our burden. This is our calling. This city, this area, this region. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to make us thirsty. The only answer that God has ever given me when I've asked him, God, how is there any way to possibly 
change someone's desire level. Because I've known this concept for years that God responds to our desire for him. He will not force himself upon you as an individual or upon this church. And if there's enough of us that don't want revival, we're not going to have it. The only way this church is going to have revival is for enough of us to want it bad enough. And I'm asking God right now to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And I don't know if I need to apologize in advance because that means bad things are going to start happening to good people around here. Then if that's the will of God, so be it. But let me tell you something. Your immortal soul and the eternal soul of your family is more important than your comfort. When any church has revival, it totally changes the picture. It looks completely different from normal. I am asking if there's anybody in this place today that thinks you ought to be thirsty, perhaps more thirsty than you are. And if there's anyone here today that thinks this church ought to be more thirsty for the flow of the living water of the Spirit of God. I, if you're in either one of those categories, I want you to make your way to the front, find a place to talk to God about it. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street, Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.